So we have not much time left, but we do have a word from the Lord for you. So if you have your Bibles, if you would turn to James chapter 1, we're going to run, we're going to get through this. We're not going to run through it, you know, but we're not going to go very long either. I simply want to talk to you this morning about one of James' themes in this book, trials and temptations, trials and temptations. You know, they we have an old saying that there's, there's a couple of things that are real certain in this world. That's death and taxes. I want to submit to you that there's a two more things that are more certain than that. And that is that we all will have trials and we will all have temptations as we run this race. Can I get an amen there? And James, the half-brother of Jesus, who writes this book to the Jews who are dispersed because of persecution opens up the book with this part of the letter talking about trials and temptations. And, and trials we're going to talk about first because they both we have to deal with, but they are different. And we must deal with them differently. First of all, trials. Trials can be defined as divinely ordained difficulty that God causes or permits so he may conform us to the likeness of his son. Let me repeat that for you. A divinely ordained difficulty that God causes or permits so that we may be conformed to the likeness of his son. Through trials, we Christians, we undergo an extreme makeover. But our problem is sometimes we want to abort the trial. We want to push back on the trial. We want to fuss and argue and complain all during the trial. And what I want to share with you just for a few minutes is how is the correct way, a biblical way, a godly way of dealing with the trials that we face. A couple of things, real quick. First of all, looking at the scripture, and I want to read the scripture, and um, verses 2 through 5. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lack wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. In those few verses, we see several things that give us clues on how to deal with trials. The first one is considerate joy. Verse 2, considerate joy, pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Warren Wiersbe writes this, our values determines our evaluations. If we value comfort more than character, then trials will upset us. If we value the material and physical more than the spiritual, we will not be able to count it all joy. If we live only for the present and forget about the future, the trials will make us bitter, not better. You see, sometimes we aren't looking for joy, we're looking for happiness. And there is a extreme, a drastic difference between happiness and joy. See, happiness is what we pursue a lot of times, but happiness is dependent upon what is happening to me. You get it? I'm happy when things good happen to me. 
But see, joy is, is different. Joy is a deep satisfaction that comes from knowing God is in control even when my circumstances seem out of control. When I can rest assured and know that God is in control even when things around me seem to be out of control, I get a joy down inside my heart that surpasses all understanding. And that's what James is pointing to. Notice James says in that scripture, it's not if you fall into trials, but when we fall into trials. See, folks, we don't have a choice in the matter. God ordains some of these things, and sometimes he allows things to grow us up so that we can become mature. And he, is, he loves us too much to leave us like where we are. We've heard that a lot in church environments. But what does that look like? That looks like he brings trials to our front door or he allows trials to knock on our front door. First thing I said is we need to consider the joy. Second thing, we need to concentrate on the benefits. The benefits, you say? Yes, the benefits. Look at James 1, look at, look at scripture again. Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work so that you might be mature and complete, not lacking anything. Look at the progression here. There's a man by the name of Erwin Lutzer, he reminds us of this. God often puts us in situations that are too much for us so that we will learn that no situation is too much for him. The testing that he's talking about, the testing makes us complete. The trials make us complete. So, we already said that things that we need to deal, how we can deal with trials, consider the joy, concentrate on the benefits, and the third thing, connect to God's wisdom. Connect to God's wisdom. We talked about this verse last week, but here it is again. We pulled it from this place last week, but look where it fits at here. Because see, James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to you. In other words, if we are going through the trial, if we're in the midst of the trial, and we got our eyes on the circumstances, and we can't figure out why am I going through this? Does that sound familiar to anybody? Why am I going through this? Why is this happening to me? Then, then what, what James is suggesting, stop asking all these other folks and stop wrestling with it in your own mind and ask him. He will tell you. He will show you. He will give you the end of the road. I love the, that testimony. Because even as Dan was wrestling with, is this really from God? He heard God says, trust in me and wait on me. And that's all he had. And that's all he held on to. That's all the family held on to. And look where they are today. Concentrate on the benefits. Connect to God's wisdom. And then go down to verse number 12. Verse number 12 says, Blessed is the one who perseveres under trial because having stood the test, that person will receive the crown of life 
that the Lord has promised to those who love him. When we're talking about this testing, it reminds me we're in this season of the year where we're getting ready to celebrate people graduating. How many graduates we're going to have here in a couple of weeks? Anybody going to be graduating in here in a couple of weeks? Raise your hand if we have any in here. Anybody? We don't have, there's Patrick Grant. I, I, yeah, Patrick Grant is going to be graduating. Since Patrick raised his hand, I'm going to raise mine too. 61 years old. I'm going to be graduating in a couple of weeks, but you know what? Testing occurs as we're going through school, doesn't it? Does it not? And sometimes those tests doesn't feel good. Those tests, we, I, I have conversations with my son all the time. He's in school, and he's getting a lot better at this, but about a year ago, I used to have these long, hard conversations where he's trying to convince me, this is stupid. This doesn't matter. to son, you are looking at the wrong thing. That is not going to go away. You got to look at what the end is going to be. So, so there's going to be celebrations all over the city in just a few days of people who have endured these test after test, and they're going to put on that cap on their head because that is what they've been, the crown that is, and just think, just think, the crown of glory that James is referring to is so far superior to that, but don't we get joy when we finally complete something and we get that crowning cap on our head as we walk down that, walk in that ceremony. It's another thing about that test. I learned this the hard way. If you don't pass one, guess what? You're going to take it again. <laughs> Anybody know what I'm talking about? So don't you know that if we have this kind of dynamic working in just schoolwork, God does the same thing? So stop complaining. Stop griping and groaning. Ask the Lord, show you what is he doing in you, through you, with you, as you go through these trials. And then you will pass the test because I'm telling you, if you keep going, doing all of that complaining, guess what, Jay Hofstetter? You're going to get tested again. Can you say amen? I know you can. Real simple. Real simple. Now, I want to skip down to verse number 13. Verse number 13 says, when tempted... No one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Now, here's, here's the thing. Interesting fact. The Greek word for trials is the same Greek word for tempting. Tempting. It's the same Greek word. It just has a different meaning in this context. And I'm going to tell you, brothers and sisters, lean in close. This is news that I want you to hear. We won't have a good Christian journey if we don't learn how to deal with trials and temptations. Once we know the truth about trials and temptations, they won't be so trying and they won't be so tempting. Temptations. Trials. God brings or he allows. Temptations, they do not come from God. God tests, but he never tempts. And you know what? Some of us, sometimes we just don't want to go along with that. It, it goes all the way back to the beginning of man. In the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, you know, they, you remember back in Genesis 3, chapter, um, verse number 12, we blame others 
Remember when God asked Adam if he had eaten from the forbidden fruit? His first response, what? She made me do it. Or we blame God. In that same verse, the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit. And Adam tries to blame God for it. After all, Eve was God's idea, not his. If we don't want to blame other people or blame God, we try to blame the devil. Eve did that. The serpent deceived me and I ate. What about you? When temptations come, maybe you, maybe you, maybe you go to the church of Flip Wilson. You know, the devil made me do it. If you don't know Flip Wilson, Google it. You'd be quite entertained. Don't do it now. <laughs> but that's not true. Let me tell you how we deal with temptations. The first thing we deal with temptations is we need to understand the source. We must un- understand its origin. We see this in verses 13 and 14. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Let me tell you some things about temptations. Temptations are inevitable. The scripture says when tempted. It doesn't say if tempted. When tempted. Second thing I tell you about temptations, temptations are not from God. Chuck Swindoll offers a literal translation. He says, don't even remotely suggest that God has anything to do with your temptation. Temptations are universal. It says, but each person, every one of us, face them. Temptations are personal. The scripture says, by their own evil desire. Let me break that down for you. Temptations come packaged just like we like it. That's the way the enemy works. Now, he can't make us do it, but his strategy is to bring us something, and sometimes it's the trial. It's the trial, and all of a sudden it turns into a temptation. Let's go back to the school analogy. You in school, trying to make it through. It's hard. You're going through a trial. The teachers are trying to mold you to get you to be what they see in you, trying to give you the academic rigor so that you can exercise your mind. So that's the trial you're going through. And then the enemy will come in here with a temptation. Man, you ain't got time to write that paper. Just go on Google and get you a paper offline and, and, and submit it. And you know what happens next. See, the enemy is always out to destroy us. That's called plagiarism. And in most, in most places of higher education, it only take one time you do that and they expel you from the school. How are you going to explain that? You, you see what I'm saying? So, so those are the things about temptations. To deal with it, we need to understand the source. Second thing, we need to watch out for the snare. Because remember I said now, all he can do is tempt us. He, he, he puts things in position. I'm talking about the enemy now. He puts things in, he makes them real shiny. You know, some of us like shiny stuff, you know. We see shiny stuff, we want, just like a fish in the water. 
You know, how, you know how we catch the fish in the water? We bait the hook. The fish didn't plan on being at your, on your dinner table. The fish were just down there minding their own business, but they see something glittering, they see something moving, they see something that looks like it's good, and they bite, and there's a hook underneath the bait. Same thing the enemy does with us. He gives us something that looks good, that you we might think is going to be feeling good to us, all to get us to just huff, and then there we are, he's got his hook in us. We've got to watch out for the snare. When tempted, no one should say God is tempting me, for God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desire and enticed. Then after desire has conceived, he changes to this birth kind of analogy. After desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. Guarantee. So, I don't want to leave you on that down note. But you know, there is good news that comes right behind here. Because to deal with temptation, we need to understand the source. We need to watch out for the snare. But we also need to embrace the solution. And we see the solution very clearly in the verses 16 through 18. James wrote, Don't be deceived, my dear brothers and sisters. Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, who do not change like shifting shadows. He chose to give us birth through the word of truth, that we might be a kind of first fruit of all he created. If we want to win over temptations, we don't need to focus in on temptation. We need to keep our eyes on him. We need to understand the character and nature of God. You see, if we can embrace those last few verses there, we find that there's three things that need to stay with us. One, God is good. Would you say that with me? God is good. God is good. The scripture says he gives good, he gives good and perfect gifts. Second thing, God is great. Say that with me. God is great. See to the Jewish mindset, when they heard this about the heavenly lights, it's referring to the sun, the moon, the stars. And look at it, it says that God is creator of all things and stands above all he has made. That's our truth. That's the reality. He is. And even though we have shadows, because either the, the, the earth rotates around or does something and, 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 and rotates on its axis and sometimes we find ourselves in a shadow, or, or, or maybe, maybe it's something out in the, in, the, in the solar sphere, things move around and sometimes a shadow is cast. But God never stops shining his lights on us because he is above all of that. And the S-O-N is always shining down on us. God is good. God is great. And last thing, God is love. God is good. God is great. And God 
is love. So when we find ourselves in the middle of a trial, and as I said, either you've come out of one, you in one, or you on your way to one, I don't mean to disappoint anybody, but I don't want to disillusion you either. It's coming. Understand what God is doing in the midst of the trial. He's simply trying to do that. When we talk about testing, testing, it reminds us of how, how, how gold and silver is refined. You know, the purer the gold, the most valuable it is, right? You know how they get it pure like that? They heat it up to high, high temperatures. And when that fire hits that gold and it turns to liquid, all of the impurities rise to the top. And then, and then they, they, they take that skim it off the top, that dross comes off the top. And you know when they know it's just right? When they can look down and they can see their reflection in it. They say, now it's good. And that's what God is doing with you and with me when he allows us to go through these trials. He wants something in us to rise up and come up to the surface. And thank God that he is great and he is good and that he is love because he'll go ahead and skim that stuff off of us so that when he looks at us, he sees more and more of his son, Jesus Christ. So stay in it. Don't give up. Don't abandon. Don't quit. Don't give out. Don't give in. Keep your head up. Ask the Lord constantly, what are you showing me? What are you doing? He will give you the answer. And then when it comes to temptations, my friend, understand where it's coming from. Temptations are best avoided in our desires. Manage our desires. Stay accountable to people. Don't be out here by yourself trying to do life all by yourself because the other saints will help get you, keep you on the right track. Trials and temptations. How do we deal with them? James has a lot to say. I hope you have accepted our invitation to read through the book of James. Read, because as much as, as, much as I love to preach, I can't preach all that's in this book. I'm depending on you to read it as many times as you can and then ask the Lord to give you the wisdom. Would you stand with me? Those that's coming to pray, come on and pray. Because I suspect that even though this was a quick message, it's a message that's hit some of us right where we need to be hit. Because we might be in the middle of a trial right now and we have not been doing very well. We've complained We've given up, and God's saying, hey, let me show you what I'm doing. And you might want to just come to these altars right now. Bring that trial with you. Fall down on your knees. If you need somebody to pray with you, ask someone to pray with you. But Lord, what are you doing? What are you showing me? What are you trying to, what, what are you trying to, what is it in me that you want to skim off and some of us in here temptation is knocking at your door you came in here wrestling with something that the enemy has brought to your 
door. And you've been entertaining it. Nobody's going to know which one now. So either one, just come on up. The faster you come, the less conspicuous you'll be. Yeah. Just come on up. Fall on our knees. You might be, you might, you might have given in. But you know what? We serve a God that is a redeeming God. And all he's waiting on for us is to just confess and repent and he'll wipe that clean. So no matter how hideous it is, no matter how far we've gone with it, no no matter how much damage is already done, God is just saying, why don't you bring it to me? Why don't you bring it to me? Let me do what only I can do. In Jesus' name.